Welcome to the Business Podcast, where we interview professionals across all industries. Hey, it's Simon. Welcome back. Today we have Dr. John Reichenthal, a technology and business leader whose career has spanned across private, public, and academic sectors. Dr. Jonathan Reichenthal, it's great to have you here with us today. How are you? Great. Thanks. Good to be here with you. Fantastic. Uh, Kick us off. Tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words and share something most people might not know about you. (laughs) Sure. Thanks for the question. Um, uh, It's often a tough question for me, actually, because I am so interested in many things. I often don't know what to focus on uh, when I'm sharing uh, my interests and and, and what I've done. I'll I'll kind of, if I can, I'll give you the the sort of high-level journey. Uh, you know, the first thing that uh, people ought to know, and many don't, is that I'm an immigrant. I was born and raised in Ireland, and in my early 20s, I came to the U.S. You're thinking, why did you come to the U.S.? Well, the answer is I came for adventure. I came to experience uh, the United States. And, and so, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to stay. I didn't know what I was really going to do in the long term, but I've stuck around now almost uh, 26 years. And, uh, you know, if you ask me, uh, do I like it? I'll I'd say, I, I don't know yet. <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm only uh, tongue in cheek when I say that. I've had a great time. I've had a great experience here. Um, I did get educated in Ireland. And uh, I, I uh, came to the U.S. Uh, after working for a little while uh, back in Ireland, came to the U.S., got a job here. Uh, my, my interest and focus for uh, a lot of my career has been in the technology arena, but very much in the broad technology arena. And uh, worked mainly here for a long time for a large consulting firm. And I had a number of technology roles. The last role I had at the business was the head of innovation, the head of technology innovation. And, and that was the first time that I felt that um, you could get paid for your hobby uh, because that was such a great, a great job. Uh, stay there for a while, got a lot of experience. The consulting firm was really amazing for learning about American business, uh, how to communicate here. Uh, had a network, uh, and and of course they they also invested heavily in me and and all the staff in terms of all sorts of training and skills development. So that it was just the most amazing long term apprenticeship, as I like to call it. And I had an opportunity then to come out to the uh, West Coast, of the United States, having spent most of the time up to that point in Florida, to become the uh, head of technology for O'Reilly Media working with Tim O'Reilly here in North San Francisco. If you're a technologist, you might own an O'Reilly book. <laughs> Almost everyone does. And that was, that was a great, great, interesting experience, a totally different in every way from working for a, a global multi-billion dollar consulting firm. This was a, a definitely a multi-million dollar firm, but it was, it was very intimate, very small and, and very focused. And then the weirdest thing happened, I got asked, if I'd be interested in working for a city. And, you know, I, I took that call from a headhunter and I decided that uh, I would listen to the proposal. I would be open-minded. 
And that was a good decision. That's something I always recommend to people. Even if you, if your inclination is to say, this is not for me, or, you know, I'm not that interested. uh, Just listen. You never know. You never know where it'll take you. Uh, And then I, I, I was intrigued. What, What does it mean to be a technology leader in a city and a city in Silicon Valley, no less. I was asked to be the CIO and CTO for the city of Palo Alto, often called the birthplace of Silicon Valley. And so I, anyway, after a little bit of arm twisting, I decided to to try it. Uh, The city manager said to me, uh, you know, if you take a risk on us, we'll we'll take a risk on you. And I think that was a good bargain. That was a good... uh, uh, thing to, to enter into. And it worked. It really worked well to my surprise, actually, and to a lot of people who know me, because I'm not that uh, bureaucratic. I do like to uh, you know, take risks, move fast, break things, as it say here in Silicon Valley. And so I worked there for, for seven years. And uh, I, I, my plan was to be there for three, maybe, you know, when you, when you take a new job, the first year, nothing really happens. You kind of, you're establishing yourself, you're making connections, you're learning the business. The second year, you're starting to do some uh, really interesting projects. And then uh, in the third year, you're delivering. So I think three years is a good time to, uh, to, to be the minimum for any job that's meaningful to you. Um, so I got to the three-year mark and I was like, uh, there's more to do here. And then four years and five years. And before I knew it, I was there seven years. But this is not the interest, the most interesting of all of this. What was fascinating to me was I had broad interests in technology, particularly uh, emerging technologies, things that had yet to prove themselves. Um, and I, I've been doing that already for a long time. But what happened by working in a city was I got to peek uh, behind the curtain, uh, so to speak, to, to see how cities work. And some of it was incredible. Some of it was sobering, as you can imagine, right? And, uh, but I fell in love with cities. I just fell in love with the notion of cities and how they operate and where they're headed and the importance of cities uh, to humanity now in the 21st century. I recognized that humanity's destiny was in cities as we became a majority urban planet and uh, as, the, as the century would progress, more and more of us would live out our lives in, a, in an urban context. And as we look at the big challenges of the 21st century and beyond, whether it's energy, transportation, you know, economic opportunity, uh, whatever it is that you, you think about when you think about the, the needs and wants and challenges of humanity, they are more and more entirely focused in cities. And the big one, the big 800-pound gorilla, of course, is the climate emergency. And cities uh, are going to play the dominant role there, too, both in mitigating and managing climate change, but also um, if we don't play our cards right, if we make some bad decisions, they, cities will play a major role in, in uh, having the average temperatures of the Earth uh, you know, spiral to an unmanageable level and then we're and then we're pretty much in, in, in big trouble. Um, so after being there for a while, I, uh, and, and, and staying seven amazing years, it was time for my next adventure. And uh, I looked at a lot of things. Uh, I, I'd been getting very interested in academia, was already working for some universities, 
as an adjunct professor. And then um, I decided, you know what, where I'm at in my life and both, you know, my age and also the location, I said, I should probably try a startup. I should do that. You know, here I am in the land of startups. So I started my own company and I've been running it now about three years. Uh, I'm into my fourth year. It's going very well, uh, notwithstanding a global pandemic, of course. And um, it it's, continues to grow. And I'm, I'm, I'm really focused now on um, education, on consulting around technologies and uh, investing in, in social impact businesses. Uh, so, so that's, anyway, that's the brief cliff notes on my life so far. Well, thank you for that. That's very insightful. And it in many ways answers the forthcoming question around how you got your career start and uh, how that has progressed up until what you do now. Mm -hmm. But maybe you can give some color around what you would characterize as some of those turning points throughout your career. What were some of those realizations you had? You already talked about one where you said it might be the right time to start a business. Yeah. Uh, are there any others that come to mind? Yeah. Your life is the culmination of your decisions. Some of them are small and some are huge. And I think it's actually really hard for us to distinguish between them because at the point of where you're making the decision, you don't know what the eventuality will be. You know, so there's decisions I've made that I thought were, you know, they were measured, but they turned out to change the entire course of my life. And, and I think one of them would have been, you know, as a technologist, as a technology leader, I accepted a job in a city to be the head of tech for how a city works. And, you know, the responsibility was to make sure that the systems worked every day and people got good customer service and we upgraded and we innovated. Well, I got all that. What I didn't realize was I would fall in love with cities and it would change the course of my life, uh, you know, resulting in me uh, writing some books on this topic and carving out uh, a sort of a, a thought leadership position uh, it, it, across the world. And, and you know, today I, I uh, advise governments and educate leaders uh, on, on the topic of urbanization. So it's, uh, I, I could never have anticipated that, you know, through, uh, about 13 years ago when I, or 12 years ago when I was considering getting that city job. I also think that, you know, some of the, some of the choices I made, like emigrating, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I would do that today. You know, I, I did that when I was in my 20s, full of, I guess, naivety in so many ways. Uh, and I didn't know what I didn't know, basically. And I did it, and I'm glad I did it. And it changed my world entirely. You know, when you move to a different country and uh, I had to start uh, completely from zero at, at, the, at the, you know, the ripe age of 24, 25 result. And so if I was faced with now another immigration or emigration uh, opportunity, let's say, I probably wouldn't do it because I'm not as naive and I would fear so many things. Uh, so I don't know what you want to take from that or what the listener should, should sort of take from that. But, um, you know, it, it, there, sometimes making a decision with uh, a little less information can be helpful. Uh, but as I say that out loud, I also want to be clear that 
you should make fully informed decisions. So it depends what it is. It depends on the context. You know, be careful. Make the decision that's uh, that's right for you. Um, I think uh, another one, maybe this is my my third and last, would be. Uh, I, I was. I was, I was driving from Tampa Bay to Orlando in Florida and I was with a colleague and she had just wrapped up her uh, undergraduate degree and I was asking her about it and she said it was great because the, the firm, we both worked for the same company, had paid for her degree. And I said, really? The, the company will pay for you know, going to university? She said, yeah, it's quite, it's quite generous. And I said, do you have like an obligation? Do you have to, you know, stay for another three or five years as a consequence? And if you don't, you have to pay it back. I mean, what are the obligations? She said, nothing, nothing. Just you apply and, and, and uh, assuming it's aligned with your career at the business, then they're inclined to, to reimburse your tuition. So I thought to myself, this would be cool. Go to, go to an American university, get another degree. Why not? It's almost like, uh, you know, getting a, a benefit that's untaxed and uh, just uh, unlike other things in your life that no one can take education away from you. So it's something that is yours for all the days that you live. So I ended up signing up for this and going back to school. That's my second degree. And I got another undergraduate degree and I finished that. And I was like, well, I'm on a roll now. I'm going to do more. So then I applied for a graduate degree. And they said, yeah, we'll, we'll reimburse that. So I, I then got a master's of science and I came to the end of that. And I said, well, man, I might as well continue. So I, I found a PhD program and I said to the business, would you reimburse that? And they said, yes, we will. And I went, uh, went all the way to the terminal degree and got a, got a, a doctorate in, in uh, information systems. And that was a good thing to do. I, uh, I really got some rewards from that. It's still paying, paying dividends, even um, was it 16 years later, something like that, since I got it. Let's say 10, yeah, about 16 years. Yeah, I can't believe it. And so the choice to uh, you know, take advantage of the organization, and obviously they got benefits from it too by the new skills and you know, uh, education I was bringing to my job and the organization. Uh, but by just saying, you know, let's just do this, let's get this done and, and really being persistent myself in you know, sitting down every weekend and just doing my assignments and, you know, my studies and getting it done relatively quickly. It did take a while. Uh, it's not a, not a trivial exercise, but doing that, getting right to the terminal degree that the, the, the reward for that was just remarkable. Uh, personally, I mean, the satisfaction you get um, from any level, by the way, whether it's an undergraduate, master's, or or a PhD, um, they they will have different levels of of importance in your life. Um, I'm still an advocate for that, by the way. I know there's a lot of debate around uh, the value of a university education. I'm I'm a big supporter, and of course, I'm a professor, so I'm I'm a little biased. I, I guess you could say. Um, so I think that the choice to continue my education really, uh, you know, take advantage of where I was in my life, that moment uh, to, to push it, push myself, I think was, uh, was absolutely critical. And, uh, you know, as I, as I said, it, it's something that I 
has benefited me every single day since and continues to. You know, one of the first points you made, which stuck out, was the idea of falling in love with cities. And you talked about how you, having that experience, had ended up writing about it. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can talk about that origin of you delving into writing and um, what that looked like as you began, because you have written several books. Yeah. I... I knew that I had a book in me about cities as I was going through my work at the city of Palo Alto. Um, I didn't want to start writing it while I was in the job because I didn't want it to be a distraction. And I wanted to sort of be in a place where I could look back at the experience. So I knew I was going to write something about cities and the future of cities. It's sort of like it, it just you know, sometimes when wherever the idea comes from, we don't know, and it just shows up in your brain and, you know, it's something you have to think deeply about and, and it's going to, you know, bug you until you scratch that itch, you know? So I I had it in my mind. Now, what's lovely is sometimes you get lucky. You know, I, I always say, you know, to my friends who are starting businesses, you know, there's the sort of like three big, uh, qualities to starting a business. One is that you have to have a great idea, right? You have to have an idea that solves a problem that people care about. So you have to have a great idea. Number two, you have to have a great team, whether it's the co-founders or, or more. So those, you have to have those. But the third one is you got to have a bit of luck, right? You can control the first two, can't control the third one quite as much, right? I mean, you have to be in the right place at the right time. There's so many things that can, uh, that can determine that. Um, you can try to get the universe to be on your side by doing specific things, you know, being very thoughtful and strategic in the decisions you make around your life and your family and your career. So anyway, I say there's always there's, there's that look bit. Don't don't ignore the look bit. And so I leave the city and I'm focusing really much, really a lot on my new business. And I get an email from Wiley, the big publisher. I'm like, this is cool. And they would like to talk to me about a couple of ideas they have, including a book about cities. I'm like, that's coincidental. That's a wonderful look, as I, as I just ex- explained. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, okay, let's, let's talk about it. So we, we, we spoke about a new idea. They had a new brand or uh, they called it an imprint. Uh, that was going to be uh, where this book would live. And I, you know, I, t- I told them I was enthusiastic and I, they said, well, let's, let's spin up a proposal. And so I, that's the first step always in writing a book. You have to write the proposal. What's the book going to be about? Who will care? How would you approach the topic? You know, that type of thing. And so I did that. I sent it to them and then it went quiet, it went quiet for about three months. And I thought, Oh goodness. I was, I was like, pumped up. I thought I was going to, this was, this was it. I was going to write a book with Wiley. And I I wrote to uh, the person who had reached out to me, the acquisitions editor. And she said, "Uh, don't worry, Jonathan, we haven't forgotten about you. We are talking about some different ideas. And anyway, like about three or four weeks later, she did get back. She said, how would you feel about writing a book about the future of cities for the dummies series, the four dummies? 
And of course, everybody knows for dummies. It turns out the dummy series is the largest reference book series ever created in the world. They've sold over 250 million books. And there are thousands of these books on different topics. It's a great brand. It's a strong brand. Um, and I thought, well, I love a great platform. It's like, it's like getting a leg up already, even without writing the book. You, you know, once it's already in this dummy series, uh, you have a benefit. So I thought about it. I said, well, let's do it. Let's do it. And, and, uh, and so I put aside time for, for a few months and to just get, take 10 years of my life and, you know, dump it down on paper, just write everything that I'd ever thought about and everything I'd ever experienced in, uh, in, in cities around the world and where they were headed and all the technologies that would impact the future cities, all the different best practices I saw. And I ended up writing about 400 pages on this. And I, I, it's the same book I would have written, whatever the imprint was. It didn't matter that it was dummies. I didn't, I didn't particularly write it as a dummies book. I wrote it as the book I would write for anybody. And it came out in July of 2020, uh, yeah, just after COVID hit. So that wasn't great. And I did have a book tour arranged and we had to cancel that, of course. Um, but despite all that, uh, the book has gone on to be a bestseller. And it is uh, often, often the reference book for city leaders and vendors and anyone interested in the in smart cities and digital cities and in green cities, you know, um, in uh, just in, in basically urbanization, you know, uh, in all its forms. And it's a, it's, I use it as a textbook in some of my classes, lots of other schools do. Um, I uh, often sell and sign books at conferences today, even virtual ones. I'll, I'll offer my books. So I uh, got to say, uh, very, very pleased and humbled by the success that this book has had. And more than that, the positive impact it's had on those that have that are a stakeholder in the future of our cities. And, and that's been incredibly gratifying uh, to, to be part of that. What has been some of the feedback you've received from your readership when it comes to the knowledge that was imparted in the book or some of the yeah. actions they might have taken as a result? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, authors know this, uh, but, but readers will, will, uh, will reach out to you often. Uh, they'll reach out to you, you know, on the two extremes if they love something or if they hate something, right? You often don't hear from the average reader. You hear from the people who have a strong feeling one way or the other. And I have to say, largely, uh, it's, been, it's been wonderful to get so much positive uh, feedback. One story that has come up over and over that has been a real surprise is, you know, I wrote this book for grownups, for, you know, professionals. And I'll occasionally get people who will write to me. And, and because it's happened so often, it's more of a pattern than something that's rare. They will say uh, they, they bought the book and they started it and they like it, but they, they haven't been able to read it for a few months because their kids have it. The kids are reading it. And, and that's been just like, really, that's, a, that's fantastic. And such a surprise because I do have these stories in the book around, you know, things like aqueducts and the origin aqueducts and, 
you know, uh, solar energy and self-driving cars and, you know, the internet of things and, uh, you know, the, the world where before cars, where there were just horses and, and, and how horses were, were managed in cities. And so kids love this stuff. I, you know, I, I, what, I never thought about that as I was writing it. So that, that's, that's a big one. I think the other feedback I get, and I'll, I'll, this story is very, very recent. I uh, was invited to Saudi Arabia uh, just a few weeks ago, and I, I went over and I, I spent some time in Riyadh. And yeah, they've got, they've got, they're super focused on building, you know, almost rebuilding Riyadh to be ready for the, the next few decades of the 21st century and beyond. I went to Al Medina as well, uh, which is the second holiest city for Muslims around the world. And they have their smart Medina strategy, which is about, uh, which is really the core of my book. And uh, I met all sorts of people in, in Saudi who are working on their cities. And uh, Saudi right now is building eight new cities. And I met several people who they were getting older knowledge from my book. You know, I, I, I sat down with this leadership team uh, from a certain region of the country, and, and they were, first of all, and I find it so humbling, is that they were so happy to meet me, the author of the book that they used as their sort of guide for strategy, they're building their strategy for their city and giving them guidance around building policies and strategy and, you know, every other aspect of that, that journey. So that, that, uh, that was just so nice to, to see that. I, I also had another uh, very uh, warm experience uh, back in, in uh, about a year or so ago. And, and a, a gentleman from, uh, from Kabul in Afghanistan wrote to me and he was working in the, uh, you know, in the public works department in the city of Kabul. And he said he had my book and he said, I, I thank you very much for, uh, thank you, Matt, for writing this book. It's been very helpful. And I said, I, I said, I, I said, I, I would get such a kick if you would send a photograph of me, excuse me, excuse me, if you would send a photograph of you with the book in Kabul. I said, just, and, you know, I did this with lots of people. I asked them to send me pictures of themselves with my book in cities all over the world. And I have, I'm not kidding. I have hundreds of pictures of people in, you know, every major city in the world with my book. And um, there's a picture I got, he sent it to me, there's a picture and he, and I didn't realize it was the ebook version of the book, Smart Cities for Dummies. And he, um, there's a picture of him, you know, just outside a mosque in Kabul with my book on his, uh, on his Kindle. And it's, it's just such a, it's such a wonderful thing, you know, to be able to touch people's lives and their careers uh, in, in all places, all sorts of places in the world. Uh, so, so that's been good. I think, I think the bottom line is this is not a theoretical or academic book. This is a how to, this is how do you build a better city? You know, it's a guidebook. There's, there's no, no two things about it. I, I wrote the book for people to actually take action and build better cities. And that, that drove me. And so to get feedback from city managers and public works directors and uh, chief information officers, you know, all over the world that the book is helping them. That's, that's what it's about. You know, your response actually uh, brings a lot of ideas to mind. And it seems that since this is all recent experience, it's quite exciting. Yeah. I'm curious if 
that and other insights you've gleaned have inspired you to look into other areas of primary research or reflection when it comes to writing a new work? And, you know, what comes to mind when I ask that? Well, what has happened since I wrote, you know, Smart Cities for Dummies is I've subsequently wrote some more books. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a couple of books for kids about cities, no less. Um, you know, exploring Smart Cities activity book for kids. And I wrote the uh, Exploring uh, Cities Bedtime Rhymes. Uh, because I think, you know, I think children love their uh, all aspects of cities and they uh, have questions and are curious and, and I want them to be inspired by the possibilities. Um, I get now quite a lot of uh, requests to write books. It's, it's you know, very nice. And I, I love that. And um, uh, some of them, of course, most of them, it doesn't make sense or you don't have the capacity. Uh, but if, if, if the planets are aligned and I think it's an interesting topic where I can bring real value and I have some expertise, I'll, I'll pursue it. And um, so right now I don't necessarily have to think about my next book because I'm, I'm, uh, this year, I'll have two new books coming out, one on uh, cryptocurrencies, and the other book is going to be on uh, data governance. So I'm, I think my dance card relative to writing is, is full. Um, uh, so in terms of your, your, your question, I, I, I'm not thinking about the next book. And, uh, you know, I, if I had infinite time, I would, there's a hundred books I would write of things that I'm fascinated by, and I think other people would be fascinated by. Uh, but I, I have to be practical about the amount of time that you know we all have, and um, I, th I think people are very interested in how the world works. I, I think there's there's a lot to be written about that, and uh, people also like a unique point of view. And so, so I think I've I've a lot to say on uh, that those topics, really, as they relate to technologies in particular I, I you know my portfolio is kind of a bit narrow in terms of domains but technology itself is massive as you know um so i, I now that i got two major book projects underway you know at the same time one comes out in the summer one comes out in in closer to the winter of 2022 i um i sort of said you know i'm, I'm able to kind of relax my mind in that regard and, and not uh and not worry too much about my next one. Um, so, um, it, it, you know, beyond those, as we get into 2023 or 2024, and it's hard to even look that far ahead. Um, I, I have plenty of ideas that are driven by uh, topics that are important to society and the world. And I, I know people are interested in and want to learn more about. Uh, you know, the, the, the book business is evolving as well. I think we need to recognize that. Um, you know, Americans specifically, uh, Americans buy a lot of books, but they don't read a lot of books. I, I know that's counterintuitive. Um, and, you know, we, I want people to read a book that I write. And, and that's, that's important. Plus, you know, there's, there's so many different modalities now, uh, from audiobooks to, to video, um, that there are other things to explore. But a book doesn't have to be the only channel by which you you educate and inform and ex inspire people um so i'm i'm open to all that and i you know i, I dabble in in different um channels as well uh as i'm I, as i'm trying to educate and inspire people and that's great to hear when it comes to your business which you started 
over the last number of years and have described as increasing in success. What have been some of the impacts? And, and maybe you can refresh uh, my memory around what it is that your business offers. What's the value mm-hmm. proposition? Yeah, the company's called Human Future. And it probably is no surprise because, uh, you know, I, I stopped working years and years ago. I, I kind of just do stuff I feel is important and uh, I want to do it. And the fact that I get paid or generate income from it is, is great. Uh, but it, it, this is more of a mission for me. Uh, and human future is about anything I can do to create a better future for humanity. I'm very focused on uh, moving the needle forward on a whole range of topics uh, uh, in terms of uh, improving quality of life, which ultimately is what it's all about. So, uh, you know, the area that I think I'm able to, with, you know, my partners, uh, really affect is how people can acquire the knowledge to make better decisions, uh, to have more skills, to be more empowered, to have more wins. Uh, so a lot of my work is related, I say education, but it's broad, you know, it's everything from workshops to, uh, you know, conference work to writing, uh, to um, uh, consulting. Uh, so it's, it's helping individuals and organizations uh, understand the, uh, the, the existing trends and where they're headed and their impacts on their lives and their businesses. Uh, very much again in a technology realm, uh, and and then uh, I use my own insights to invest and create a portfolio of social impact businesses that you know are going to and are making a difference. Uh, so as long as the work I'm doing is furthering the cause of improving the quality of life for the most amount of people, that that's you know that's my mission. That's what human future does because. Um, you know, the, we may we may screw up as humanity, and you know we may change the climate and and uh, exhaust the resources and, and damage the environment, um, and that the cost of that could be the end of humans, but the Earth will survive. The Earth's going to blossom and, and and be here for uh, you know quite a long time to come, and and so you know uh, it's about a human future. And a human future means that we have to have an earth that can sustain us and future generations. It's going to have clean air and clean water and, uh, and uh, cities that, that function and, and opportunities for people. Um, so, yeah, super focused on uh, all realms of uh, inspiring, educating, informing, empowering. Um, you know, we do that through all the modalities, workshops, training, uh, writing, uh, you know, virtual events, uh, keynotes at events around the world, um, and, uh, and and traditional, you know, management consulting, and then the in- investing investing part. Well, Dr. Reichenthal, it's been a pleasure connecting with you so far, but if we switch gears a bit, and I asked you this question, if you had the chance to go back to any point in history, at any point in time, and meet with someone who first comes to mind. Yeah, it's a it's a tough tough question because um, there's so many ways to think about it. You know, you might say, um, or I might think, 
would be nice to have met my great grandfather, maybe, <laughs> you know, um, just be interesting to know how he lived and what kind of person he was. Um, and then in terms of, you know, great leaders, it's, there's, there's, there's many, um, you know, I'm going to give a, a, an answer that uh, may surprise, but I'm going to, it's, 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 it's honest and it's true to who I am. Uh, I would like to meet Barack Obama actually. And I don't want people to sort of turn off and say, that's where Jonathan's you know, political leanings are. Actually take that off the table. I want to meet the man. You know, I want to meet the human being Barack Obama. Uh, I, I think he is and continues to be a, a, a remarkable human being as a man, as a person. And, and so I think we could have a great conversation I think he would give me or improve or even elevate my own sense of optimism. Um, and I would like to understand from him how he thinks about things and how he's made decisions. And he, he you know, he's, he's also quite a remarkable, uh, you know, uh, um, student of history and, and political history in particular. Um, and so I'd love to kind of get his take on where we've come from and where we're going. And so, you know, I, I actually thought at one point that I would meet him. I, I had a chance. I was invited to the White House. Um, I was recognized for some work that my team and I did a few years ago. And the plan was that he would come and visit us. We were called, I think, uh, champions of change. And unfortunately, that day he got, uh, as, as happens at the White House, there was something else going on in the world that needed his attention. So we, <laughs> we were demoted in terms of being his priority. Um, so I was, I was looking forward to meeting him. I, I often think that, you know, one day uh, I'll probably have an occasion to, uh, to, to say hi, to shake his hand perhaps. So that, that's, you know, I, I think that's the most, the most truthful and current answer I can give to that. Well, thank you so much for that. And uh, again, it's been a pleasure. And until next time, maybe you can share a parting thought. You know, I, I, we are entering and are in a very unusual period of time and uh, unusual part, part of history. You know, everyone says they live in, in remarkable times and you can make a case for that. But really, as someone like myself who, has, who also studies history, we live in a really remarkable time right now. It's hard when you're in it to really appreciate it. Sometimes you have to be beyond it to look back at something. But I'm telling you right now, and I think probably a lot of your listeners recognize that we are in a really remarkable time. And I think about how, how can you thrive in this world? Like, how can you have a better outcome for yourself and your family and your friends and and what should your organization do? And, and, and the parting thought I have is, this is not a time for small decisions and, and no risk-taking. We are now in a period where you have to make the big decisions. You got to be bold and you got to take some risks. And, and so I think that's a characteristic I would like to leave. I'm going to add one more thing, which will be my final thought, I think, for today, which is, everybody gets to make their choices when they wake up in the morning. You know, who, what am I going to do today? Who am I going to be today? 
these are choices, right? You can choose to be someone who um, is angry, uh, someone who bears a grudge, someone who's jealous or envious. There's a whole set of things that you kind of choose. You don't realize that you're choosing it, but you're, you're putting yourself in a situation by which it feels more like a choice. And I always say, and I think to myself, this is a rule I apply to myself. If I'm going to choose something, I'm going to choose kindness. Why not choose kindness when you wake up every day? Try to be kind to everyone. Imagine if everyone's kind, the kind of world we would have. <laughs> That's my thought. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for attending the business podcast and stay tuned for more episodes.